Democratic base is very dialed into abortion rights as an issue more broadly. Uh, same-sex marriage rights. The state's last abortion the provider. has now apologized to his congregation. The Bible has application for every would violate her views as a Southern Baptist. He's on camera saying that Bill Barr was not just attorney In the midst of all of today's noise and confusion, we need a voice that cuts through the chaos to bring wisdom and clarity. Welcome to The Roy's Report with Julie Roy's, an hour-long show exploring critical issues related to faith and culture from a uniquely Christian perspective. Now, here's your host, Julie Roy's. Welcome to The Roy's Report, brought to you in part by Judson University. I'm so glad you're with us. I am Julie Roy's, and today we're going to be tackling an extremely important topic in the church, but one that sadly rarely gets addressed, and that is the issue of abusive marriages and how the church should minister to abused women. As some recent scandals have shown, this is an area where the church definitely needs to grow. Last year, you may remember, there was a controversy involving a prominent Southern Baptist preacher and seminary president, Paige Patterson. And at the center of that controversy was Patterson's advice for abused women. Patterson was asked, for example, whether he condones abused women seeking a divorce. Patterson said that he's never counseled anybody to seek a divorce. He said on occasions when the abuse is, quote, serious enough or dangerous enough, he has suggested temporary separation, but he added that most abuse is, and I quote, of a less serious variety. On another occasion, uh, Patterson admitted that he had urged a woman who was being abused by her husband to stay in her abusive marriage and to pray for her husband. Later, this woman uh, reportedly arrived at church with two black eyes, and she asked Patterson if he was pleased. Patterson said he was pleased because apparently that morning the husband had come to church and prayed to receive Christ. Well, many in the church found Patterson's responses shocking. Patterson has since been removed from his position as president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and there were some other issues involved with that, uh, with Patterson as well. But many people uh, say these kinds of responses and attitudes are rampant in the church. Just last week, I published the first of two articles about abused women at Harvest Bible Chapel. These women say the church failed to protect them, but instead protected their abusive husbands. And instead of rescuing them from a nightmare marriage, the church prolonged and even exacerbated the issue. And if you want to read those articles, you can read them at my website, Julie Roy, spelled R-O-Y-S dot com. But just how should churches respond when, well, when, when women indicate that they're being abused? And what constitutes abuse? And what are the signs of abuse that pastors and lay people should look for? Well, joining me today is someone who can help us with those answers. Her name is Judy Noble, and she's a certified domestic violence advocate and counselor with decades of experience helping abused and battered women. She's also the founder and executive director of Eagle's Wings, an organization that treats both abused and abusers. And she's the author of Radical Reconciliation, a book that tells her story of fleeing an abusive marriage when she was pregnant with her first child. So, Judy... Welcome. It is a pleasure to have you join me. It is an honor to be with you, Julie. Thank you so much. Well, I am really looking forward to discussing this issue because I think it's so important and often so overlooked. Um, But Judy, can you just start by helping us understand the nature and the scope of this issue? I've heard that as many as one in three women have been abused by an intimate partner that's an absolutely stunning statistics. But from your 
perspective, from your experience, would you say that's accurate? That is very accurate, yes. Hmm. It's very underreported at, at times, too, um, just because of the shame that is uh, that correlates with the abuse. But the statistics show one in three women, yeah. And what about in the church? Is it any different in the church? I mean, we'd like to think that uh, people who follow Jesus Christ and claim to be professing Christians, that that they're different, that there isn't this abuse. <laughs> That's true. That's, that is the... Um that is, the, that is the hope and the desire, and I know that that's the desire of Christ. However, it is not much different. It's one in four have been or are being abused right now in the Church. And I, again, uh, it goes underreported, so we're not quite sure if those statistics are accurate. Hmm. But um, from our scope, it, it, it's, fairly, it's fairly accurate. So where do you get those statistics from and those kinds of studies? Is it just sort of self-reporting from churches, or how do you, how do you try to measure that? Actually, it is some self-reporting from churches. It's what we do here, and it's also um, there was a there was a report. Um, I think it was the it was a Huffington report about two years ago that did an, a, a thorough investigation of uh, abuse and the statistics. Hmm. Well, as you say, it often goes underreported, and it. Then I was just talking to someone actually for my second report, which will be coming out soon. And actually, if you, if you want to make sure that you don't miss that, you can go to my website and sign up for updates and you'll get that article as soon as it posts. But um, the woman I talked to said she gave a lot of signs of abuse, but she didn't come out and she said now she's an abuse counselor. She said she never, she never had somebody come to her and say, my husband hits me or my husband forces himself on me. Those That rarely happens. She said there are signs that you need to look for. And when somebody is being abused, there's, there's sort of some telltale signs, but we have to be aware of them. It, it, would you say that's accurate? Very accurate, yes. Yeah. Yes. So why is it, I mean, one, why is it that women aren't more forthcoming um, about abuse? And then what should we be looking for? Well, I think the, the number one reason why they're not forthcoming is fear mm-hmm. and shame, and especially in churches. If they are going to a pastor and if their um, abuser is well-known in the church as a leader, um, there is the shame of uh, betraying him and not wanting to um, reveal uh, the characteristics of abuse. And he, they are usually very, very afraid that they are not going to be supported. So therefore, if they go and talk to a leader in the church, it's usually they give them very, very little information, just enough to hopefully have someone ask more questions. Hmm. And I think there's probably a fear of whether they'll be believed, especially if the person is a leader in the church that they're talking about, because why would you believe the abused party as opposed to this leader who looks exemplary to everybody around him, right? Absolutely, and that is um, that is the um, probably the number one reason. Because if if the abuser, most of them are very charming, and they're they they're very selective about who they abuse and when they abuse, mm. and so there's never any telltale signs of the characteristics of abuse to anyone um, other than the family members, and that's um, that's con- the confusing part. 
Mm. So what would be some of the telltale signs that you might see and know to ask some questions or begin to look into things? Well, I think, number one, at the beginning of it, just create a safe place for her to be able to share her story. Mm. And then as she shares, again, know that there's just you're just getting a little bit, bits and pieces of the truth. Um, ask her if um, she's afraid. Um, ask her if she what what she's afraid of. But tell her, make sure you tell her, this is confidential. I'm not going to judge you. We're not here to judge. We're here to listen. Mm-hmm. We're here to take care of you. Um, and uh, just acknowledge her bravery. If she mentions that she feels like she's abused, if she even mentions the word, acknowledge her bravery and her courage for breaking the silence and seeking help. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's creating a safety, a safe, a safe measure for her to share more. Um, how do you know though? Her- how do you know to even ask those things? I mean, what does a woman say or what does she indicate that makes you say, I need, th- there might be something going on. Um, or you can ask some questions if, are, do you feel frightened of your mate? Um, are you are you afraid to speak right now? Um, what happens when you do express your feelings to him? Those kinds of questions, like you, you can ask them that. They probably and then just fidgeting. She'll be fidgeting. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I ask is um, when I was on staff at a church, I just asked, "So who meets your needs?" Mm-hmm. And the the silence there is is riveting, and the look on her face is. Like, what do you mean, who meets my needs? Because their needs are not met. They're busy meeting everybody else's needs. She is an object. And so then I can go and further say, does anyone meet your needs? Do you have friends? Who are your friends? Are you, are you um, in close proximity with your family? If all those questions are, I don't have friends, the answer is no. Um, I don't have much relationship with my family. One of the characteristics of abuse is isolation. They will isolate them from friends and family. They're very selective. The abuser is very selective on who the abused can associate with. Hmm. That's, well, that's a telltale sign. Well, again, that's Judy Noble, founder of Eagle's Wings and the author of Radical Reconciliation. Uh, we need to go to break, but when we come back, I want to talk specifically about submission in the church. What does submission look like? when you have a spouse that doesn't love and honor his wife, but yet how is submission maybe used to perpetuate abuse on that wife? Uh, When we come back, we'll talk about that. Again, you're listening to The Roy's Report. I'm Julie Royce. We'll be right back. We now return to The Roy's Report. Here's your host, Julie Royce. How should the church minister to abused women? Welcome back to The Roy's Report. I'm Julie Royce. And today we're talking about a serious problem of domestic violence and abuse and how churches can be part of the solution. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, one in three women have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner. One in seven women have been injured by an intimate partner. One in 10 women 
have been raped by an intimate partner. So domestic violence and rape is epidemic in our society. And according to my guest today, it's also epidemic in the church. And sadly, the church doesn't always do the best job of addressing this issue and helping victims of abuse. Again, joining me today is Judy Noble, a certified domestic violence advocate and counselor. She's also the founder and executive director of Eagle's Wings, an organization that treats both abused and abusers. And she's the author of Radical Reconciliation, a story of overcoming domestic violence. This is Judy's own story of how she fled an abusive marriage and overcame a potentially fatal illness. And today I'm giving away five copies of Judy's book, a radical reconciliation. If you'd like to enter to win this book, just go to julieroy spelled r o y s dot com slash giveaway. That's julieroy's dot com slash giveaway. Also, uh, today's show is recorded, so I can't take your calls, but you still can join the uh, live online conversation on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash reachjulieroys, and to get to us on Twitter, just use my handle at reachjulieroys. So, Judy, uh, right before the break, I mentioned this issue of submission, which is something very controversial in the church. What does that mean? Um, Does a wife have a responsibility to submit to her husband that would be unique uh, as as to a husband submitting to his wife? Some say it's mutual submission. Uh, Others say, well, no, a wife should be submissive to her husband. She has a unique situation to do that. And then there's those who say, listen, whether or not, you know, you, you go to more the feminist viewpoint of, of submission or the more traditional complementarian side of it, it should not be an excuse for abuse ever. Mm-hmm. That is not what submission is. But I think for a lot of women who are caught in this and hearing the church talk about submission, that may not get communicated. So I want you to talk about this very controversial concept and what it means, especially when there's abuse. Yes, it is an extremely controversial subject. And when you're talking about women who've been abused, you're talking, if Christian Christian women want to be good Christian wives, Mm. I don't know of anyone that we've seen that doesn't want to be um, a spiritual, loving woman, a Christian woman that honors God. Um, Submission Jesus would never, ever use abuse for, to cause anyone to submit. Submission in a normal marital, in a, in a non-conflicting marital relationship can be mutual, and it can be loving, and it can be respectful and honoring. And um, even though it might be a struggle at times, it can be resolved. Um, however, when you're talking about abuse, there's four pillars of domestic violence. Now, this is the Judy Noble four pillars, but I believe in my 25 years of doing this, it's intimidation, manipulation to gain power and control. When a woman who's being abused, and not just physically abused, but emotionally and sexually and verbally, they're just as hard on the heart mm-hmm. as a physical punch is to the body. Um, if you're talking about submission to someone who's abusing them, the more that they submit, the more powerful the abuser becomes, and the worse the abuse gets. Mm. It's the bottom line. So they try, and the, the trying is, is, um, is usually, very regrettably, um, more abuse. Yeah. Yet there's so much guilt and shame associated with 
speaking out or saying something against your husband because, you know, uh, we're to honor our spouses. Yeah. And so how do you counsel women to, to deal with that guilt and shame? Guilt and shame are part of abuse, and it's not their guilt and shame. It's not. It's the abuser's guilt and shame. It's the manipulation that they receive. Because of the isolation, they have very little input from the outside world. So they believe what they hear every day, and most of them it's criticism, it's devaluing, their esteem is so low, um, they don't feel like they're good Christian wives. So they, um, so what we do here is we try to help them to understand that God loves them, that He would never ask them to submit to abuse, that that's the enemy, that He is for them, and that He will always stand with them, that there is never an excuse for abuse, even, even with submission. Submission was never, ever meant to be an abuse tactic. Mm. Um. I want to ask a question about intimacy within a marriage. I know some of you, if you're listening right now and you have young children by the radio, you may want to um, move them somewhere else or uh, listen to this later on the podcast. Um, But I do want to ask about that situation because um, someone I talked to said, you know, she had received teaching on 1 Corinthians 7, your body is not your own, it belongs to your husband, therefore fulfill your marital duty to your husband. Um, and she said that her husband forced himself on her and would hurt her. And yet she had received this teaching from first Corinthians seven. And so she felt guilty and like she couldn't say anything. Talk about that and intimacy within a marriage and the Christian teaching on it and how maybe that gets perverted in our understanding of it sometimes. Well, I just go back to uh, what the Lord said about it. Uh, Paul said about husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church. That's not loving your, your wife like Christ loved the church. He would never do that. He would never harm to gain um, his own need to be satisfied. And therefore, um, in, my, in my estimation, it becomes rape when someone says no. Um, and I know that that's, you know, that that's probably not a, a very popular idea, but I do believe that we have the opportunity to say no when we, when we don't want to, when we feel betrayed, when we feel violated. And if, if there is a husband that truly loves his wife like Christ loves the church, he would honor that. Mm. So um, a woman who is in this situation may be asking herself, and especially if if a woman has come from an abuse background where abuse seems normal and maybe her mother had taught her, um, we don't talk about these things. And so she just kind of assumes this happens in a lot of marriages. They just don't talk about these things. We keep them silent. I know there's women listening right now who are in that situation. Speak to that woman and, and help her understand what is the difference between normal marital conflict and abuse. Normal marital conflict is, is equality, is equally honoring, it's equally respecting, it's negotiating. Your partner is going to be able to own um, and take responsibility for his mistakes. He's going to be able to say he's sorry and truly repent 
and to be able to repair. It's learning how to repair. I mean, we all have to learn how to repair in, in, in marriage. But it's having humility and honor and preferring the other. That does not happen in abusive relationships. Nine times out of ten, I'm, I'm, I mean, basically, if they say, if an abuser says that he's, he or she is sorry, um, it's usually not about the person that they've abused. It's about them. They want to have a little more leeway. But there is never, ever an excuse for that kind of abuse. Abuse, conf- abuse conflict is totally different than marital, than true marital conflict, normal marital conflict. As abuse demands its own way, you become an object. You feel like you don't have a say. You feel like you don't have a voice. You've lost your ability to make a decision. You've lost your ability to, to voice what you, you need, what is important to you. And that is domestic violence. Hmm. And it seems like probably the most subjective one. I think we can we can very clearly say, okay, physical abuse, uh, we know that line. You, you should never hit your spouse, period. I mean, that just, no, no excuse for that ever. Should never happen. Um, but emotional, spiritual abuse, that's where it gets a little bit muddied, I find. And people don't know. Now, is this, is this abuse? Is this what, what, that, what right. this looks like? Um, we need to go to break, but when we come back, Judy, I want you to address that. What does emotional abuse look like? What does spiritual abuse look like? Again, I'm speaking with Judy Noble, founder of Eagle's Wings and the author of Radical Reconciliation. Uh, also, if you'd like to connect with us on Facebook, just go to facebook.com slash reach Julie Royce and you can comment uh, there. Again, I'm Julie Royce. You're listening to The Royce Report, and we will be right back after a short break. Former U.S. Ambassador Caroline Kennedy is coming to the Chicago area this October for a special conversation at Judson University's 2019 World Leaders Forum. Learn how Kennedy, a diplomat and author and the eldest child of President John F. Kennedy, carries on her father's legacy of public service at this unique opportunity for the Chicagoland community. Get your tickets today for this lively conversation hosted by nationally syndicated radio host and commentator Eric Metaxas. The World Leaders Forum brings recognized world leaders to the region each year to inspire leadership for all who attend. Many great thinkers and leaders have keynoted this prominent event. You won't want to miss Caroline Kennedy this fall. Judson University's 2019 World Leaders Forum is October 8th, 7 p.m. at the Renaissance Schomburg Convention Center. Tickets start at $75 and are available now at judsonu.edu slash WLF. Once again, tickets available now at judsonu.edu slash WLF. Now, more of the Roy's Report. Once again, here's Julie Roy's. Welcome back to the Roy's Report, brought to you in part by Judson University. I'm Julie Roy's, and today we are discussing an issue that for far too long was tolerated by society. But thanks to the Me Too movement, the sexual abuse of women, and domestic violence is finally getting the attention it deserves. There's also a corresponding movement in the church called the Church Two Movement. And now we're becoming aware of how widespread abuse is, not just in society, but also in the church. And we're beginning to recognize that the woman sitting next to us in the pew may be battered and abused at home. But often she doesn't come out and say she's abused. 
Instead, she tests the waters. She may say she and her husband fight a lot, or she'll say that her husband is controlling, but rarely does she actually admit that her husband hits her or forces himself on her or berates her incessantly. So how do we spot abuse? And especially in our faith communities, how do we help these abused women and their children find safety? Well, joining me today to help us learn how to do just that is Judy Noble, a certified abuse counselor and founder of Eagle's Wings, an organization that helps equip pastors and leaders to recognize abuse and help abuse victims. Also, I'm giving away uh, copies of Judy's book, Uh, called Radical Reconciliation. If you'd like to enter to win that book, just go to julieroys.com slash giveaway. Also, if you want to read some of the articles I've published on this topic, they're available at my website. As I mentioned earlier, I'm publishing a two-part series about abused women at churches that at one point were associated with Harvest Bible Chapel. The women say the church failed to protect them and instead protected their abusers. I believe these pieces are just extremely important for understanding how this dynamic plays out in the church. So again, uh, to either enter the giveaway, go to julieroys.com slash giveaway for that, or to read the articles, simply go to julieroys, spelled R-O-Y-S, dot com. So Judy, before the break, we had, uh, I just brought up the issue of emotional and spiritual abuse, something that really is much harder, I think, to identify because it's subjective than, say, physical abuse where there's hitting or sexual abuse where there might be um, forcing yourself on another person. Um, So talk to me a little bit about what emotional abuse is, what spiritual abuse is, um, and maybe within the context of, of a story of somebody who's gone through this um, so we can see an example of what it looks like. I coached and counseled a woman um, back east for a couple of years, and she was in a domestic abuse relationship, mainly emotional and mainly spiritual. Mm. It had gotten somewhat physical, but however, um, her husband wanted to counsel and uh, because he had told the pastor that she was not being a submitted wife and she was being rebellious and... Um, so he, I suggested strongly that they not meet together because I felt that that was too dangerous for her. Um, the reason being that she wouldn't be able to really share her, her heart with the pastor. She, um, and I didn't know if the, um, if her husband had already begun to accomplice the pastor, which happens hmm. because they're charming. Hmm. And, um, she she went ahead and, and counseled anyway with um, with the pastor and her husband, and she brave very bravely and courageously shared her heart with um, how she felt and what she felt was going on that she was trying to be a spiritual wife and a submitted wife and um, the the whole time he was uh, her husband was glaring just glaring at her. Um, unbeknownst to the pastor that was coaching them and counseling them. And she shared so much that, um, again, it was pulling the covers away from the abuser. So uh, he, the, the pastor told her to go home and pray more and to be as submitted as she could be, um, mm-hmm. to do the normal things that most, most pastors would say to a wife that didn't really understand abuse. 
Mm. Really didn't understand the consequences of what he was saying. Mm. Um, and so they went, they got in the car together. And on the way home, he berated her. Uh, he mocked her. He's, he stripped her with, uh, of every bit of identity that she had mm. verbally. And uh, by the time they got home, he had begun to physically abuse her pretty horrifically. Mm. So it was all of the above, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. He hadn't really gotten physically until he, he realized that he had lost control. And it was devastating for her. It was, it was devastating. Hmm. What you just described, I mean, it being in counseling with your husband, I mean, in one of the stories I wrote, that was the standard course of action. You would go to intensive counseling and it would be you're there with your husband. You also have a set of advocates. But to the women, saying this in front of their husband was terrifying, right? I mean, because this is just going to bring more abuse and mean you're going to pay for it when you get home, right? Because you, you were not supposed to say that. Absolutely. Never. I, I don't believe that you should ever counsel the two together. Yeah. And I, I know standard marriage counseling, you do counsel together because that's the whole point is to work things out. But when there's abuse, no, this is a really bad idea. A very bad idea. Mm-hmm. How, it will always and I'm guessing the husband, the spiritual part of it was he was using scripture to yes, to try and gain control. Yes, he was, and um, he had told her for many many months that she was a, a terrible Christian and used scripture against her. And um, she would bring these scriptures to me. We would try to decipher them as far as what God meant, not what he meant. Hmm. But it's terribly confusing. Again, she didn't have a lot of outside input except for us. Mm. But eventually she did get free. But it's so, so, so hard to combat those messages, isn't it? Um, It is. I know I talked to one woman who said, I felt like I was crazy because my husband kept telling me I was crazy. So I, I started believing him that the only reason I had a problem with this was I was crazy. The problem was me. Right. And that's that's what the husband in in these situations is trying to get the wife to believe because he he will not look at his own problem. So she will not. And it's it's called gaslighting. And it's there. And and really, most of the women that walk through our doors, the first thing they say, I just think I'm crazy. Yeah. But the Mm. gaslighting is is very manipulative. It's awful. It's awful. Well, again, you're listening to The Roy's Report. I'm Julie Royce. Joining me today is Judy Noble, a certified abuse counselor and the founder and executive director of Eagle's Wings, an organization that equips the church to help abuse victims. When we come back, I want to hear the rest of the story. How did this woman find help? We'll be right back after a short break. Thank you. Roy's Report with Julie Royce. The Roy's Report is a listener-supported program and we're only able to broadcast this program with donations from listeners like you. If you'd like to see this quality program continue, please go to julieroys, spelled R-O-Y-S, dot com, and click on the Donate button. And as a thank you for your gift of any size, we'll send you the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, by the late famed apologist Norm Geisler. Just go to julieroys.com and click on the Donate button. 
listening to The Royce Report with your host, Julie Royce. Well, how can churches spot abuse and help abuse victims? Welcome back to The Royce Report. I'm Julie Royce, and today we're exploring this important topic with Judy Noble, a certified abuse counselor and author of Radical Reconciliation. We'll be jumping back into that discussion in just a minute, but first, I want to let you know that next week we're going to be talking about the tragic shooting last year at a Parkland, Florida high school that left seven people dead. There have been a lot of theories and speculation about what caused that shooting, but my guest next week says it's clear as day what caused the shooting. He says the shooter was extremely violent and for years had communicated his intention to murder people. Yet school administrators refused to believe in the depravity of mankind and sin. And as a result, they refused to expel the student and instead they sought to reform him and correct the injustices that must have made him violent. And they kept him in that school sitting right next to the people that he wanted to murder. Well, my guest will be Max Eden, author of Why Meadow Died, The People and Policies That Created the Parkland Shooter and Endanger America's Students. This is going to be I think, a really eye-opening program. So I hope you'll make a point to join me next week on The Roy's Report. But uh, returning to our topic today on abused wives, again, joining me is Judy Noble. And just a reminder, if you missed any part of today's show and you want to listen to it again or share it with friends, it will be available about an hour from now at my website, julieroy, spelled R-O-Y-S dot com. So, Judy, you were telling us a story in the last segment about a woman who was um, the victim of spiritual abuse, emotional abuse, and then it became physical abuse as well. Um, but I'd like to hear the rest of that story. I'm hoping it has a redemptive ending. Um, what happened with this woman? Okay. Uh, because of the physical violence, we had told her that it was going to escalate into physical violence eventually if, um, if, she, didn't start, if she didn't start making proactive movements to, to leave or to get some other kind of counseling, and it did. And was she was she coming to you as part of like Eagle's Wings coming to you um, to get help, yeah. but but getting counseling from it sounds like her pastor at the same time. Well, the counseling from the pastor was um, at the admonition of her husband. She she was um, given our information by a friend, hmm. and so we started talking with her and sharing with her. And, you know, just sometimes it's the denial is so thick. She didn't even want to admit that she was really an abused wife. Um, and so the physical violence clarified that she was for some reason that really clarified. Well, for most, sometimes if you're in denial, that will actually clarify that you are being uh, abused. Right. She had, she has children. And so that terrified her. Um, so we began the journey of just investigating what she wanted to do. What was her, um, what was her dreams? What, what dreams hadn't she fulfilled? And when they get ready to, to leave any of them that try to get ready to leave it is the most dangerous time for them mm. as the power and control will be totally lost so we baby stepped it pretty much through um the, her journey and i have an amazing board of directors i have a pastor on my board i have a police officer on my um resource board and so i talked her into talking to um one of them the police officer is also a pastor mm. And she, she talked to him, and it was a divine moment because he, uh, his kindness overwhelmed her. Mm. Um, the pastoral kindness that he shared with her and the truth that he shared with her. And 
talked about Moses and the, the Israelites and crossing the Red Sea and how is he how how is God going to do this for her and um, it was a miracle moment it was very divine and because of of his knowledge on how we could keep her safe and um, what we needed to do from because she was all the way across the country we just got connected with another. Um, uh, shelter and and with his help and with their help and with our help and the police officers help, we got mm. her out and we got her safe. Mm. And um, her story is very incredibly redemptive. She she always wanted to go back to school to get her bachelor's degree. She's now in a master's program getting her MFT. Mm. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, I know that you counsel not just abuse victims, but you, it says abusers as well that's a harder group to work with i'm guessing but not beyond the scope of god's redemption right absolutely um if you read my book uh, my my ex-husband who was my abuser mm-hmm. absolutely came full circle so you know we we can't lose hope for anybody because they're all god's children mm. but um and you know when you have someone who is this broken as someone who will break and hurt their wives and children. And you know, God wants their heart. They, he want, he, he's an Isaiah 61 God. Mm. He came to heal the brokenhearted. And so wounded people wound, broken people break. Mm. So if we, can, if we can stop domestic violence, we must get at the source, which is the person who's being violent. And I think that that is the hands and feet of Jesus, is to try, if we can, if they're willing, to listen and to, to talk and to share and get healing, then I do believe that's where the answer lies. Hmm. So, I mean, we've talked a lot to victims today, but to abusers, you would say, go get help. It's, you're, you're not beyond, and, and they must feel horrible. They must know what they're doing, right? Oh, yeah, they, they do, but they're so, um, they're, you know, if, if at all, if we're at all critical, then they, we, just be, we just confirm what they already feel about themselves. So it's the it's the loving but firm and gentle and strong. And I have I have a lot of good men around me that um, can help with that because men call out men, I believe. But you know, there has been many guys that have walked through this door that have said and listened to me. And then gone. We have a couple of counselors on board that will really help if they want. They'll really help these guys to get, mm. to get better. And we don't ever 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 um, um, ask them to go back with their wives or ask their wives to reconcile at least for a year or two until they've had some really good healing. Yeah. Trust needs to be earned, especially Absolutely. after it's been broken that, that poorly. Um, and, and where for people listening right now, I mean, hopefully your church is a good place to go and to get help, but not always. What would you say to people, both those who are listening who are abused and those who are abusers, where should they look to get help? It's a great question. Um, I think the community does a, a little bit better of a job to help the, the, the men or the men who are abusing. But there are places like Eagle's Wings. There is another, I think that there is another ministry called Focus um, that they can contact. You just have to be very careful. Um, there are counselors that will definitely um, help the men. Women, we ha- I can just go to the pastor themselves or go to the women's ministry 
and ask, do you have a program here? We have programs called Love Does No Harm. It's our group. Mm-hmm. Do you have programs, do you have groups here that help abused women? Hmm. So that takes us to the question of training and the church better equipping. Um, my guess is most churches, am I right, don't have anything like that for abused women. Exactly, they don't. Okay, so to the church leader who's listening right now and saying, this is definitely an issue we want to be equipped for, how do they equip themselves? You know, I, I believe that every um, uh, domestic violence organization in this nation has training material, we do, and it's very, very willing to go out and train your staff. We are one of the few Christian organizations. We will train your staff. Uh, I know Focus is a, is a Christian organization, but we, are, we will definitely make sure that you get trained. That is our, this is our passion because once you know what you're dealing with, then you can deal with it effectively and godly. And there'll, there'll be no more reabusing of the victim. Mm. And that's what so often happens, isn't it? They go to get help, unfortunately, in the church. And, I mean, there's a lot of churches that do this well. We're talking about the ones that don't yeah. do it well. Um, but they do get, as you call it, reabused. Explain what you mean by that. Well, they, they go to... they, they they very timidly go to their leadership, whoever that might be. Mm-hmm. And if it's a man and they're very scary because men are scary to them, mm-hmm. then they attempt, they attempt to try to share their story. And whoever is listening is not listening. They, they pull a submission card or they just, they don't hear their hearts. They don't validate them. They, um, they tell them to go home and work harder and so it's really reabusing them. And many times, if we do that too often, we lose them. Um, there's a great scripture, it's Isaiah 42:22, and it said, these are like uh, people hidden in caves, in prisons, mm. and who will say to them, restore, restore? We need to be restores, because otherwise they'll, they'll go deeper into it, the, and they won't come out again, or they'll leave and they don't come back to our churches, and we don't want to lose them. Mm. And that, that is the tragedy, isn't it? A lot of women, when they're in the church and they have experienced abuse, when they leave their spouse, they often leave Christianity. And I know a, a woman I was talking to said, I felt like when I left my husband, I would be leaving Christianity because I had been told for so long that to speak out or to, to go against him was so wrong that I felt like I had to, that I would be leaving my faith. And she said it took, and she said, I'm still actually disentangling the truth from the lies about what God really feels and what God says. Yes, absolutely. Well said. Mm, tough to do. Real quickly, because we don't have a lot of time, but one group that we haven't spoken about are the children, and they're sort of the collateral damage in these abusive homes. What about the children? How can we help the children? There are more and more um, counselors out. I know that in my church particularly we have, we have a counseling center and we have a counselor just for children. Um, in one church that we have, Our Love Does No Harm group, they have, they have a, a real effective program to help the children heal, get them into counseling. There's low-cost counseling. Um, I mean, if, you, if you're out in a way and you, and you can get these kids into counseling as a woman who's abused, sometimes in, in court cases the 
um, the, the abuser will not allow them to have counseling. Mm. But if you can, get them into counseling quickly, quickly, and let them know that it's not their fault any, any more than it was the woman's fault for being abused. The children tend to take it on themselves. This is my fault if I just hadn't spoken out. Mm. They tend to go into guilt and condemnation and shame just as their mom does. And no, it, it, it's, not, it's not the abused fault any more than especially those little babies' fault. Mm. Well, Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. And friends, we want our churches to be places where the vulnerable are defended, where they're vulnerable are protected, where abusers are called to account, where they're confronted. Um, sadly, we haven't always done this well in the church, whether out of ignorance or cowardice or just indifference, we fail to help women in abusive relationships. And this has to change. Churches must do a better job of protecting the vulnerable. So I, I encourage you, if you're a leader in your church, urge your church to get training on this issue, just like Judy was talking about. And if you suspect that someone may be abused, reach out to that person. Let that person know that it's safe to talk and you'll do everything within your power to protect her. Again, my thanks to Judy Noble for coming on today's program. I so appreciate all the valuable information that you gave us today and your heart for the vulnerable. So thank you, Judy. Thank you so much. And just a reminder, uh, if you missed any part of the show or you want to listen again, just go to julieroy.com. We'll have the podcast posted within the next hour. Hope you have a great weekend and God bless.